Hey everybody, I'm here with Eric DeGear, anxious to talk about stuff in the massage community again. Eric, can you tell everybody about yourself and a little bit about where they can contact you? And just so you know, above us and below us, I've got our social media shares, so they should be able to find us. I've got like yours on my side and mine on your side, but you guys can figure out who's who. <laughs> okay. Hey, Robert. Thanks for having me on. I've been on your show before and it's been fantastic. So I'm Eric DeGear for everyone that's watching or listening. I am the owner of the Massage Success Club and DeGear Coaching. I'm a massage therapist. I've been uh, working for 11 years as a therapist, eight years on my own, three years before that as a variety of hotels and chiropractors and sports massage places. But the main thing I'm working on right now is Massage Success Club, which is what I wanted to hop on and talk about today. Yeah. So what's up with that specifically? So it came from just, I've been talking with a lot of people over the past couple of years since I've been doing coaching. And one of the main things that comes up is that massage schools don't provide enough support after graduation. I mean, arguably during as well, but we could uh, talk about that another time. <laughs> oh, no, so, I mean, this is, <laughs> whew, man, it, like you're, it's like you went into a minefield. <laughs> because, I mean, essentially as continuing education, that's what I do. The students don't have any ongoing support and I'm trying to get them to build a mat-based practice, which is very different than what they were taught in school. And the students are just consistently blown away. They're like, I don't understand how you're doing this. And I'm like, like, I can stream to 10 million people as easy as I can 10. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's the scalability. Honestly, that's the best part. Like I've been doing coaching for a while now and the one-on-one -on -one is fantastic. Like people love it. And I love working one-on-one -on -one with people. But I realized uh, a combination of, you know, people coming out of school, not having the resources they need, not having that connection point between postgraduate massage school and being a happy, successful massage therapist, which, by the way, is one of the links down below. If you want to join, it's a free group, tons of resources. I do techniques and all kinds of theory videos on there, as well as some good questions. Yeah. So if you want to join the free group, it's down below. It's a great resource for students. But I did want to have a community of kind of a, a, a tier in between for that wasn't too pricey and that was a great group coaching model built into combined with a community. So what I mean by that is exactly what you said, there's no support after massage school. So they kind of just kick you out the door. I mean, for anybody who's listening to who's just graduated, it kind of feels like you just got kicked out the door. Hey, there's the MPLEX, you know, you got to take this or one of the, you know, the other national test, you got to take your test and then you're good to go. Like go find a job and or work for yourself and there's not really a lot of support out there or a clear path from that you know know nothing position of, of postgraduate you know just enough not to hurt someone but you don't really know how to run your own business because i don't know about you but in my yeah, school no the thing is i mean i went to school in 2002 so it's almost been 20 years and mm -hmm. the massage industry was in a very different place. I wasn't asking questions about building my own business because I was just, like most students, fixated on perfecting the massage. And then I figured I'd go get a job somewhere. That was, you know, later down the road. But yeah, schools also, it, it's interesting because I get attacked by a lot of school owners who don't like what I'm doing. 
while at the same time, I'm trying to fill in the gaps that they frankly cannot. Like, they're too focused on helping the person, you know, pass the MBLEX and just get the basics. 500-hour curriculum, I don't know what it is in your state, but in Texas, it's 500 hours. A 500-hour basics curriculum isn't enough time for them to teach much. No, I completely agree. In fact, I'm from Texas originally, so I first got that 500 hours down in uh, San Antonio. They even went, they had me do some extra hours to uh, extra intern, which I'm glad that I did. It got a good practice in for working on, you know, real life people. But again, massage school is not massage business school. It's massage school. It's teaching you how to massage. So what I'm doing at the Massage Success Club is helping people grow their massage skills, take that and connect it to like the money tree, basically, you know, connect it to making their business successful, not only financially, but on a couple different levels. And in fact, that's what I, I based the Massage Success Club training on the book. I think last time I talked about it, uh, the book I was writing in Mexico, I ended up writing the first draft of it. It's called The Five Mountains. So in it, I focus on the five mountains, which are physical, mental, financial, relational, and spiritual. And those are kind of like different lenses, which you can see life in. And I found it was really helpful for starting this group coaching to have a basis to have some sort of model for the coaching. Cause I think that too many coaches focus on their therapist building up the business, becoming successful. And like, which success means a full book. They don't say, Hey, take care of yourself. You know, that's, I think half of the entire business for a massage therapist is themselves and taking care of themselves as well as the client. So, and what about, you know, retirement plan? Uh-oh. Retirement for that, Uh-oh. you know, you know like <laughs> no one talks about that. Everyone talks about getting busy and getting booked up. No one's going to talk to the student about, hey, you just graduated. By the way, have you thought about what you're going to do when your wrists are hurting and your body's aching and your, you know, your body's falling apart and you're not able to massage anymore? But no, it's just like get busy, work. You know, a lot of what I teach is geared towards therapists who want to work for themselves. And I've realized this more and more. The students absolutely in its full expression cannot practice what I do at any massage facility in America. It would not be allowed. So if they really want to do it, they have to work for themselves. Now, I'll start them on a table. You can use some. But it gets to a point where you got to jump off like you got to work for yourself. So why is that? What, what is Mat that based no. clothes on? I'm consistently told it's not massage and I'm like, it helps people with chronic pain and they're paying me $240 a session. Like, you guys figure out what you do. Do you want to help people or do you want to do massage? You're too, yeah. you're too caught in this little myopic box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, from that that's... point you had to teach them business as well. You had to teach them how to sell a new service. How do you market mm-hmm. it? How do you package it? They're like, this is so weird. This isn't like what I was taught in school. And I'm like, this doesn't exist. It's a statistical anomaly. Yeah. And that's the problem is that box thinking like you're talking about, like you go into school, obviously they're going to try to fit your education in this, but at some point you have to realize that this isn't, this is just a framework for you to grow. It's kind of yeah. like, you know, the, the plant, when you get a plant, yeah. you have the pot first and then you take away the pot and put it outside where it can grow. You know, how is your tree supposed to grow if it's still in a pot? I would have uh, massage schools locally. They would invite me in to do like a talk about uh, private practice or something related to what I was doing. 
and I would bring like workbooks and DVDs and, you know, a lot of the students didn't necessarily know who I was. They're just students in massage school. And over time, the school stopped inviting me <laughs> because it was like Socrates coming in and corrupting the youth because I come in and talk about private practice. And they're like, well, you know what? I can just go get a job over here. And I'm like, uh, have you read massage forums and how happy massage therapists are working for facilities? Like you can do it yourself, but you got to do the work part. And, mm -hmm. and that was where my messaging is so contrary to the mainstream massage community. It makes me a bit, a bit of a pariah. I think mm -hmm. the, the business acumen is, it makes sense. And in fact, I find when I talk to entrepreneurs in other industries, I feel way less at odds, but in the massage community specifically, everybody's like, we don't, we don't like that guy. And I'm like, eh. Elon Musk That's is fun. trying to put people on Mars and you're angry. Uh, Bezos <laughs> d delivered my, my toothpaste in 24 hours and you're angry. Like these people are doing things. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's always going to be, there's always going to be haters out there for movement or for change or anything. People, you know, yeah. So often fear, they're like, what you're doing is destroying my worldview or it's, you know, destroying my, my practice in some way. And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm just, you know, improving it if you look at it well, that way. Well, massage schools, <laughs> evolve or die. <laughs> and it don't look pretty, guys. <laughs> it don't look pretty. So, like, we had, you mentioned something about ma massage schools, and I'm not sure if it was related to their business specifically or how it interrelates with, like, your business, but what was the deal with that? I feel it's a gap. I feel that there is a huge gap of what massage schools can provide and can't provide, and I'm looking to fill that gap. My whole purpose yeah. for the Massage Success Club is to not only have students come in like fresh students who know absolutely nothing who are wanting to learn but have also veterans like it be a platform for people who know a lot who have the experience and who want to give back to come and join so it kind of fulfills both elements i'm yeah. even contemplating doing some type of mentorship program combined with it because i think that's really where if we take it back to it that's what really works well that's what i've been trying to do with my business because we talked about employees a little bit before we started recording, I don't even call them employees or my apprentices. I kind of think back to like, you know, any blacksmiths or artists like Leonardo da Vinci. He had apprentices that he trained up to become great artists uh, and at some point pushed them out onto their own. Like, I'm not keeping my people here and saying like, no, you must work for me forever. No, it's like, I want you to grow out. I want you to become, but there's kind of an incubation period where you learn the skills, you absorb, you absorb the knowledge, the jargon of a real therapist and then you can come out and bloom and, you know, I'll push them out the door and be like, okay, now it's time for you to go out on your own. And I think that there is an element with the club for that, for the people to start as brand new therapists or students. And when they graduate and they become successful for them to come back and give back. And I'd love to see, you know, a combination of new people coming in seeking knowledge and veterans coming in who have a lot of knowledge but nowhere to share it like people want to share their experience they want to share their knowledge and there's young people hungry to hear it so it's kind of that balance between that i'm looking for for this club yeah the the schools in my experience one of the ways that they've completely failed is digital distribution of information and like digital supplementation of curriculum uh video 
Like, I ate it. And I mean, again, we're doing this podcast, and I'm like, oh, my video ain't as good as I want. I got to figure out clicking buttons and software, and I'm still working on it. It's not perfect. But if I go to a local school and say, hey, why don't you have a podcast? They're like, eh. Hmm. Why don't you have, like, you know, video for your classes? And, you you know, and they're like, eh. I'm like, that's a really good idea. The internet's not getting smaller. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a really good idea. Have some sort of stream or have some sort of uh, recording of of sessions or of information. There's so much boring, so much boring information that could be presented in a more interactive format online and skip out that part. I mean, you could come in for in person sessions, not knocking the in person stuff, but I do, I see your point. That's a good idea. Coming in with video. I mean, but uh, it's don't get me wrong. I can sit down and talk to a school owner. They get very angry very fast. And I mean, I've got students, I've got subscribers, and and here's the challenge I have right now. I go, guys, listen, we have completely destroyed education. I can stream to you live five days a week, two hours a day, fifty-two weeks a year, and in one year that'd be five hundred and twenty hours of new footage. Let's go. And they're like, wait, wait, what? And I'm like, I can stream to you two hours a day, five days a week and teach live. You can text me questions and I'll answer and flip camera angles live. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> Don't get it. Well, no, I just have to, they'll get it. I just have to do it. Like I'm okay. trying to explain CE party, hashtag CE yeah. party. And they're like, I don't understand. I'm like, okay, Eric, you purchase a CE class. Now, get five of your colleagues in your living room, put it up on the big screen TV, and y'all work with me live. And they go, wait, but they don't have to pay? And I'm like, no, you pay if you want CE credit. And they're like, wait, but I don't. And I'm like, yes, the internet is eating industries. Yeah, I think that uh, be onto something there. No, I mean it, it's it's working. It's just, you know, how do you explain to people who continuously tell me that I can't learn in person? Interactive online education from four camera angles with wireless audio and anatomy on screen. Hmm. You just keep making video, and they catch up eventually. Like, yeah, you're. I'm too far ahead at this point. Like, and you're doing the same thing. You're trying to figure out more interactivity, more mentorship, and you're using at least pieces of digital distribution to make that process easier, more convenient, less expensive for the students. Yeah. Well, and another piece of it, I think that is really important is that we're not creating so much, like we're creating video. We're more documenting. We're not creating a lot of the stuff that, we're using like i mean correct me if i'm wrong but a lot of the stuff that you you're teaching you've learned correct from somewhere yeah or you're creating it yeah i mean no i mean you... everybody puts their own spin on it i think about painting mm-hmm. you mentioned art um like leonardo yeah. and i think about this a lot because you know leonardo michelangelo rembrandt you know picasso like splinter they, they put paint on a canvas but the unique artistry is like the curvature, the texture, like 
because they could all teach painting, but they would teach it slightly differently. And I yeah. think that's the thing, like 70 to 80% of what I teach is kind of what was passed on to me by my original teacher. And I just yeah. kept using it and grinding away at it until it had my own distinct imprint. And yeah. then in teaching, the students kind of think, it's almost like they think I got to a certain point and then my consciousness had realized, you know, I could teach. And I'm like, no, I just, I just go into session and I go into class and I'm like, fuck it up. <laughs> Meaning make it better than last time. Respond to the student's question. And, and the thing is the students help me become a better teacher because they ask me questions and I have to refine, like, why do I do it this way? I do a podcast yeah. with you or I do a live stream and I'm like, oh, let me make the video a little crisper, the audio a little better. And it keeps getting better yeah. the, the more iterations of that I go through. But in the end, no, nah, I mean, 80% of what I teach was just passed on to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that that's important, though. If you think about it, a lot of what we do is curation, not curation not creation is what I was saying before. Like you have taken, if you think about all the expense, like you've mentioned, like there's this vast array of knowledge out there. You've taken it and you've curated it down to specific program that you find works well together. And you pass that forward on. I mean, you're creating some, but a lot of what I'm doing also is taking bits for the club, like taking bits from here, taking bits from here and creating this, cohesive community, cohesive program out of those. And I think that's so valuable now. If you think about it, how much information there is available online. I mean, we could look up anything. We can pick up a phone and look up any bit of information that humanity knows. I mean, except for some classified files. And, but why don't people? Like, what's the, what's the gap between that? It's because they want almost an authority figure. Like, they respect either me in, in the club or you with your videos and with your, with your classes, they respect you and want to hear what you have chosen out of your experience. And they trust that and that method that you're conveying. That's the way, that's the way I see it. I mean, a lot of the students that study with me, they also, they comment regularly online. They're studying with other educators mm -hmm. and I don't fight that. I don't like, try to discourage them from studying with other educators because I think they are going to get different things from different people. They're going to, you know, like if they're going to study with you, Eric, I don't know, like notions of competition. This is something interesting. I, oh. I just, I'm like competition. I'm like, dude, listen, less than 1% of the marketplace is mat based. And I teach less than 1% of that 1% and I'm doing okay. Like if the market 10 mm. X, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I guess I need to buy that house in Hawaii. <laughs> like, it's not a competition. There's a, a global, you know, marketplace I'm dealing with. Oh, I, I am totally on board. I think that the idea of competition would be like saying that you're competing for, you know, works of art. Like you mentioned the artist before. Like, I'm not going to be upset if I'm Leonardo da Vinci and someone likes Michelangelo as well. Like, that's entirely different. It's sculpting. For the most part at least it's just you know you can appreciate both different forms and you can learn different things it's just nice to have kind of that consistent i can know if i go to you know robert gardner's find great information on map based time massage you know I, if i'm really interested if i'm a student and wanting to to learn how to run my own business 
I know I can go to Eric's, you know, groups, any of them, and then and learn how to how to become a happy, successful therapist. It's just yeah. it's the, having those trusted forces to reach out to or to tap into is really helpful. The, now. the untrusted force is the digital distribution. In, in my experience teaching online, the students are still like a, a little skeptical. And I think of all the factors that could be in building trust, that's a very small one. And what it really banks on is like, okay, how about your first month is free. You can see every class I've recorded for three and a half years and private training for $7 a month. It's available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year globally. If you're in the Democratic Republic of the Congo and you don't have internet access, well, those billions of people will probably come online within the next 10 years. Well, even you know. under with the Starlink, yeah. the Elon Musk Starlink thing. Yeah, this, is, this ain't going away. <laughs> so the, the thing is, I mean, I got mocked by some school owners and basically they said, Robert, listen, we're going to start a subscription service and we're going to charge $6 a month so we can have a race to the bottom. And I went, oh my God, they have no idea what's going on. They've seen Blockbuster go to Netflix. They've seen Walmart start to lose to Amazon. And now they're like, well, we own a school. And I'm like, eh, I have a school on the internet. <laughs> they're not going to like this video. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I encourage students to make video to promote their mm -hmm. practice because the work is closed on and map based. And the students mm -hmm. have some initial concerns about that. They're they're not going to yeah. look nice enough. They're going to have frizzled hair and they didn't shave. And, you know, people are going to look at them and make judgments. And I'm like, they already hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Just put out video and find the people who like it and make sure that the people who yeah. like it are so loud and so noisy, you can't hear the guy booing in the back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that appearing on video is almost a must now for a lot of stuff like don't and that's why actually one of the prerequisites this is prerequisite well not it's a, it's a requirement for being in the club you have on video yeah. you have to come into the video because i think that part of that is just breaking that breaking that mold breaking that wall down and kind of having that social sacrifice of like okay i'm accepting if i'm going to be rejected or not you know getting past getting over yourself and your but what other people are thinking yeah and putting yourself out there, even to, I mean, it's a small community in the club. So, but How it is a requirement. It? It's great. How many people are in right now? Yeah. We are at 20 members right now. Oh yeah. No, very small, very, like, very like tight knit. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, we only started three months ago, so, or two months ago. Yeah. Two I months mean, ago. If, you, if you got a, like, if you look at a Facebook group, I suspect 5% of any Facebook group are the people who comment regularly. Mm -hmm. There's another five percent periodically, and there's like ninety percent that are just lurkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I think is I think it's valuable to have that. That's why I have that that balance of the free group, the happy successful massage therapist, and then the, the club is because these are the people who are serious about 
moving their business forward. I mean, you have a bunch of people who are like, yeah, I want to get my business up and going, or I want to, I want to do massage, but then there's no impetus. There's no, no push for change because they haven't connected with their dream or dream of what they're doing to their actions. That's a big part, I think of, of it. And there's no accountability in the club. It's like, you are accountable. It's a, I would say 80%, 90% of the club is like being held accountable and being motivated to do the change. Cause there's a lot of stuff that you can do on your own, but are you? No, probably not. Like this is what this is for. It's holding you to it, saying that you're going to do it. And even for yours, like putting the money down, putting in the investment in yourself, like that $7 a month, that's, you know, a minimal investment in your career. You know, you think about the investment that people did to get their massage license, but then after that, are they willing to keep investing in the business? Yeah, I mean, they're they're strong-armed into, like, they have to do it to get the license. The schools are the gatekeepers to that. And one of the questions I've had about education as I continue to teach online very successfully is I don't know what's going to happen to massage regulation. There's a lot of stuff going on right now, I think, post-COVID, because it really shown a spotlight on online education and schools are fighting tooth and nail to use regulation to block, you know, new people in the industry and block online education. And I don't, if you're a school owner watching this, I don't have good news. <laughs> like, you better be ready to adapt very fast. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Not on a regulatory standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it would be interesting because I think a lot of, at least like some schools here are looking at doing online just to cut costs. Like they're not doing it as like, let's do this as a benefit for our students, you know, so they can, you know, learn easier or pass the savings on or something. I think that they're, a lot of them are like, oh, this is a good way to cut costs. We can yeah. hire a couple of teachers and have this, have this, you know, regulated or automated or something. Yeah. So, I I look at it and it's like, I've been trying to explain our CE parties, these interactive live streams, four camera angles, wireless filtered audio, anatomy on screen, got some hot keys, and I'm just flipping camera angles live. And they're like, oh, but I don't learn online. And I'm like, uh, are you sure? <laughs> like, I don't think anybody's teaching online this way. This is not, and I go, okay, but I prefer in person. And I go, it's not really online and it's not really in person. What about a hybrid class? And they're like, what? Hey, what about VR? Have you started looking at that? No. I'm still working on, you know, Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll, I'll get there as rapidly as I can, but it's like the technology is not slowing down. Mm -hmm. I mean, just doing what I'm doing, I, you know, I have to sit back sometimes and think about it. Like I played Atari as a kid. Mm -hmm. Like I grew up on missile command <laughs> you know? and now I'm like on my computer, 32 inch monitor, DSLR camera, ring light, you know, like filtered audio through a wireless microphone, running it all into this computer. Like I can communicate with nearly anybody globally via podcast. It's a it's go. a brave new world. Like it's not going away, it's expanding rapidly. I had my friend Josh Terry over last night. Josh has like 7 or 800,000 followers on TikTok and wow. we were at, we had a really at length conversation about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Cool. 
And it's like, these are the guys I hang out with <laughs> yeah. in my free time. And then I'm mm -hmm. working with therapists and they're like, oh, I have to like have somebody to work on. And I'm like, yes, you must practice. <laughs> Michelangelo didn't become Michelangelo just because some teacher showed him how to paint. Like he took yep. the paint and did it and did it and did it and refined it. Yeah. Yeah, it really is about that overall mastery, just taking the basics and getting really, really good at them yeah. and moving forward with that. So I think you're on your path to mastery for technology. Who knows where you'll be in that? In you'll have the Neuralink. I didn't start here. <laughs> you'll have the Neuralink in. You'll be like live streaming, just walking down the, well, the road. Well, I, I, I get a lot of flack, and I feel like I'm, I'm hated generally by the massage community. And I feel like their mind is just too small. They're they're too boxed in in these provincial ways of thinking that, frankly, the school owners, it feels like they're gatekeeping a gate that disappeared years ago. But they're still <laughs> acting like, you know, you know, no, you need a license. And I'm like, Stretch Lab doesn't need a license. Stretch Zone doesn't need a license. Rossiter doesn't need a license. Yoga therapy doesn't need a license. But all of a sudden, you tell me that the work I do that you tell me isn't massage needs a license. Hmm. Now, does that make sense? <laughs> no. Seems like it's more about yeah the gatekeeping and the regulation, like you said. Well, it, it all happens, and this is, a, this is America. It all happens under the the illusion of security. How do we protect the public? And I'm like, show me the fields of the massage dead. <laughs> It's like they act like rogue massage therapists are just going around a landscape putting elbows in people's carotid arteries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could be. Could be an underlying uh, pandemic there. Yeah. That's funny. So what, what do you wish that you had learned in school? The funny thing is, I think when I went to the Baltimore School of Massage in York, Pennsylvania, they're now defunct. I think they're completely gone now. Uh, it was a, a Steiner school. I was in such a different mental space. I was just learning, you know, the massage. I often wonder what would have happened if someone like me had come in and did like a demo of Thai massage, like mat based. I think I would have been like, this is it. Like, why am I even at the school? <laughs> you know? But also looking back, they just didn't have the time. Even, I think it was like 638 hours I went through. They just didn't have the time to be able to provide the information. And it's like, if you're dealing with someone who's going to work at a massage envy and dealing with somebody who wants to be in private practice, like... I have to sit down and teach massage therapists about, you know, Instagram hashtags, search engine optimization for YouTube videos, tagging those videos. Like they, they want to take the same video and post it to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. They just, they want to post it to Hootsuite and Hootsuite just puts it on all these platforms. And I'm like, uh, but Twitter isn't TikTok and TikTok isn't Facebook. And they're like, oh, but and I'm like, we don't have like an open source portal into Eric DeGear's brain. <laughs> Neuralink is not set up so I can just whoop. Just send the thought out. This is we what just, I'm thinking. I just work with the technology I'm given and I'm very happy yep. 
that I can put out messages daily. And half the time, it's like I was working on the tech setup. It's not uncommon for me to go to like my Instagram stories and go, oh, I'm dying. <laughs> I'm so tired of fighting audio, video, <laughs> you know, and that's my, my in, insight into Robert's world for that day is like fighting Canva to make a graphic or trying to do this. And then the accountant is like, what is this charge? And I'm like, uh. <laughs> do you use mostly your cell phone to record or do you use the DS? It, it evolved over time. I still use the phone for some things. Like it, it's not a bad idea to use TikTok and actually use your phone and TikTok's internal kind of editing. It's also not a bad idea depending on what it is you're shooting, like an Instagram video, something like that. But what happened over time was I bought a DSLR camera and was recording my classes. Those class recordings are what's in the subscription service. And then what happened was now I'm teaching for four camera angles. So I put out a, a YouTube video yesterday and today. They're on my Facebook page as well. And I'm flipping camera angles and I've got the anatomy on screen. So I just took the long video and some video editing software and trimmed it and then dropped an intro and outro. But it's from this DSLR camera. So uh, it's kind of ratcheted up, but I always try to get the students to just start with this because it's easy. It's also yeah. a matter of them, I don't know, like, I don't know, I don't know canvases and brushes, but before they buy the most expensive canvases and brushes, just pick up some cardboard and some finger paints. <laughs> <laughs> just get started like, the on the sidewalk. yeah like it's weird um i've never deleted videos from a youtube channel for instance and i started with a flip cam uh years ago the audio and video quality was horrible but the reason i left those up is i want to be able to eventually like there's a thousand videos on my youtube channel i want to take like two second clips from every video and just string them all together <laughs> So people can see, like, it's, wow, it actually improved. You know, I, I, I bought a Sony a7 II. That's what I'm using right now. Even though for some reason when it's in Zoom, it doesn't look extremely, like, crisp to me. I bought three of these, and I need to buy another one. And I checked on Amazon, and they're up to, like, $1,500 a piece. Oh. Start with this. This makes what, what kind of fun do you have? Good video. Say it again? What kind of phone do you use? Oh, this is Samsung S9 Plus, I think, right now. Yeah. yeah. And it's not as All good, right. probably, as, like, the, the, the iPhone cameras and such. But mm -hmm. it's, like, it's good enough for what I do. And then, again, because I'm using this DSLR, like, I'll edit video from this and upload it. I've been playing because I take the Sony a7 II, the DSLR camera, and I actually put it in portrait mode and shoot, like, a TikTok. But because I'm using software i can put like graphics on the screen and anatomy like i show people trapezius and like trapezius pops up on the screen and people just accept it when it's just given to them but it really clarifies what i'm putting out because they can they can see it yeah yeah cool super cool here's a interesting question for you because you're talking about getting into all the you know the digital technology and the cloud and virtual what what is something that you've stuck to as far as in-person? Like, what is something that you think is still invaluable, like, in the real world, if you will? Practice. Practice? The students, like, no matter how many videos I give them, they got to do the work. 
-hmm. and they got to do it again. And it's interesting to teach online because the students, they start to understand like 75% of the time the sequence I taught works. And then they get a client where it doesn't, they're not mobile enough or they have some specific injury. And then they write me and ask questions and I, I try to get enough information to, to give them feedback and then help them over time think for themselves. Mm -hmm. But there is nothing that will replace practice. It doesn't matter how many videos I put out. Like, in other words, Robert has 10,000 hours of, so? <laughs> it's like, if you don't do it, it doesn't, you know, continue and evolve. And the thing is, like, think about core curriculum. It's 500 hours. Of the 500-hour curriculum, how many hours of actually hands-on body work and problem-solving do massage therapists get? Question. I mean, and I don't, I don't know, because I, I don't know how it's how it's structured. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. How do schools actually come up with the the hours required in each section? Is that something that's just regulated by the state and decided? Yeah, each, each state has board? different laws and rules. I mean, five hundred is a general kind of guideline, but there's not reciprocity between states, so. Some of them have slightly different rules, and when a therapist even is licensed, tries to go from New York to Tennessee or vice versa, like sometimes they have to make up hours and things. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure how that comes about, though I have, you know, theories. Now, what are, you, what are your feelings on like a federal license? Something no that's way. across the board. How about, how, here's how I feel about licenses generally. What about no license? <laughs> What about no rules, no laws, no regulations? What about anybody who wants to do massage and somebody who's willing to pay, you can just do it and there's no worries. And they can get insurance if they want. And they go, oh. Oh, but he's an anarchist. And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, in other words, for me, I do get to a point where like the, the, the rally cry is one, we're gonna shut down human trafficking. That's why we have massage regulation. And then two, we have to protect the public. Yeah. And one, I don't think the public is all that unsafe. And two, human trafficking is already illegal, so why don't you enforce the laws on the books? What, is, what does massage as an industry have to do with that? I don't see them talking yeah. to yoga teachers about human trafficking. I don't see them talking to stretch lab about human trafficking. I don't see them talking to chiropractors or personal trainers about human trafficking. What does massage have to do with human trafficking? Well, that's what I was curious about because with the Texas license, they require the fingerprinting now, don't they? So what, what is up with that? Does that even stop? Is there, Their purpose is, of course, to stop prostitution and all that and human trafficking. But does it really even, like, it's well, just kind of squeezing the people who are already... I don't, know numbers, I don't know numbers on prostitution, but I do know that cocaine is illegal in the United States. Does anybody listening to this not know where to go get cocaine if they wanted it? <laughs> it seems like, you know, we, like we, we make this shit illegal, but it's like... It's like, it ain't as effective as like having it delivered from Amazon yet, but it's not that far off. Like the distribution network for illicit drugs is amazingly effective. Yeah. So it's like, I don't want people listening to this think, you know, how do I put this? I have a license. I follow the, the rules and regulations in the state. You know, when I go to another state, I follow those rules and regulations and on and on. But 
it just becomes another barrier of entry. It means that I have to use the internet to teach more effectively and more quickly because states are actually blocking me to come in and, and do my, my business, essentially. So it's like this weird thing where I really feel like, it's not just our industry, by the way. There are a lot of industries where this is going on and information distribution across the internet is eating industries. Yeah. Yeah, that seems to be a central theme for this conversation. Just that theme. The power of the internet. Well, I mean, people they constantly. I hate Jeff Bezos. I hate, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And I go, but I got toothpaste in twenty four hours, <laughs> and I didn't have to go nowhere. It's like people mm -hmm. hate it, but like they're making money because people are buying. People, yeah. people vote with their dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And if you don't like what you're voting for, stop voting. For it. No, and I mean I, I support that if people you know don't want to don't want to get their toothpaste in twenty four hours and don't want to support what Amazon is doing that's fine I understand that but the massage industry and the way things are set up currently is well let's put it this way I, I spend time working on what I'm working on I know that more clearly. But when I look at massage establishments and massage schools, I have no earthly idea what the next 10 years looks like. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. So, well, this is a good point. Like when I talked about massage facilities, brick and mortar, and massage schools, brick and mortar, mm -hmm. this has been a major confusion point for a lot of people when they look at my business, even people I've hired is they don't understand that I'm building a digital business in a brick and mortar industry. Hmm. Students in class would go, well, why don't you just give me a job? And I go, okay, give me 60%. And they're like, aw. And I'm like, cause I have to manage you. I have to get you to put down the bong. I have to get you to the session on time. I have to get you to do the work and please the client. And then I got to handle the taxes, make sure the place is clean, fold all the laundry, do all the... And it's, it's like basically brick and mortar is a real estate game. And I would tell students, listen, I'll open the brick and mortar when I can buy the shopping center. And they're like, I don't understand. Like, because I wasn't following the rules. And I went, okay. How about I build a school on the internet and anybody on earth can study with me for $7 a month interactively? Pretty valuable. I, if you run the numbers, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, but you're only charging $7. How do you make any money? I'm like, well, if I get 10,000 subscribers, I'd make $70,000 a month. And if I get... 10,000 subscribers and make $70,000 a month, it's $840,000 a year. No, I'm not close to that. I'm not <laughs> close. But you think, there aren't 10, you think there aren't 10,000 people on earth who need what I want and can provide $7 a month? Yeah. That's, that's, what, a, that's, a, pretty good, that's a good price even in other countries. Brick and mortar, man. The brick and mortar businesses are using regulation to block. In Texas right now, all the CE classes I have are NCBTMB approved for CE credit. Texas blocks all of them except one. Wow. Social media marketing. Because Texas does not allow online education for hands-on technique. Oh, I see. 
So what what can you do to get that regulation changed? Become as evil, become as evil and as large and have as deep a pockets as the school owners and regulators who created that to provide a revenue stream that is protected by regulation. That's why. Yep. Hey. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, Money but I'm talk. not just teaching in, in this state. Like, I get emails each night from our subscribers, and I still kind of scroll through them to see where they're from. And it's like, oh, they're in Latvia. Oh, this guy's in France. Oh, there's Belgium. I live in, I live in Central Texas. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. I bet you can get 10,000. I mean, all over the world. Over time. I mean, the thing is, like, you you get into this thing, uh, I talk to a lot of, a lot of younger millennials have worked with me over time, and they always, they just want to scale. That's scale, scale, scale. They seem to intuitively understand, I think because of the way they grew up with computers, like, making an app like Twitter and scaling it globally. But what I dislike is there is an Ed Snowden level of, fuck you and your data. (laughs) Like, they would just steal your information to mine money out of it. And I go, whoa, 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 guys, hold on. I I I understand digital distribution. Why don't we build a following? Why don't we deeply connect with the students continue to offer them products and services and build a long-term sustainable business. And they're like, no, we don't have time for that. We need to scale it globally. (laughs) And I'm like, there's a reason I have money to hire you. (laughs) Let's do both. Let's have ethics, integrity, respect people's data, and Mm -hmm. continue to scale globally, continue to make video, continue to give away free content, and let's do both and make a sustainable business. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think when you, when it comes down to what, what is life about? I think it's about building those relationships. It's exactly what you're talking about. Making like, there's a reason why five mountain analogy that I use a lot is why financial is only one of the mountains. Life is not about making money. That's one part of it. It's very important. It's an important part, but it's not the only part. Like relational is one of I consider that, in essence, to be one of the most important ones. Like, Because if you're not having long-lasting, you know, beneficial relationships with other people, mutually beneficial, you know, then what's, what's life about? You know, that's part of being human is having that human connection with other people. And there's a yeah. lot of people out there with sketchy businesses or, you know, just... Well, I, I have an email list. I'll give you an example. I have an email list and I've got like 5,000 active people on the email list. There's another 5,000 that are kind of like in storage or whatever. But of those 5,000 people, I've had people that work with me and they're like, you just need to email them every day. And I'm like, no. Like if I email them every day, they're just going to unsubscribe. And they're like, well, that's what you want. You either want them to buy something or unsubscribe. And I go, dude, any company that emails me every day, I'm gone. Yeah. Like, I send out email like I'm your friend. Hey, Eric, mm-hmm. listen, I just wanted to let you know, 75% of what I'm listing here is just some other free stuff, a link to the podcast, you know. Great to have you on board. If you're interested in buying something, I've got a link to my subscription here or whatever. And you'll yeah. get that email and be like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, maybe the podcast. I'm busy. And delete. 
But a year from now, because it's just a regular ticker tape of free stuff and what's going on, that's much more like an in-person interaction where I run into you at a party, you know, say hello, we talk and network for a second and then go our separate way. And that happens for several yeah. years and leads to some sort of positive business interaction. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is more, that sounds better to me. I mean, I know I unsubscribe all the time to different lists. I'll sometimes subscribe to ones just to see what, how they're emailing, like what kind of content they're emailing. But usually more often than not, it's just annoying. Yeah, um, I, I had somebody, I don't know, we, we were going to have a class, I think in Mexico, we did this test during COVID. And this guy wrote me and he's like, you colonizer, da, 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 and I went, <laughs> delete. <laughs> like, like, I don't want you on my email list. I don't like, it's like getting hate mail. You know? Yeah. It's like, I just go, who? Delete. Like, move on with life. What I don't do is I don't just bomb people. And I also respect the fact that people gave me an email address. Email is slowly dying. Students are asking for text messaging and I'm trying to set up group text messaging, which costs money again. And yeah. the thing is, yeah, if I had subscribers and they wanted a text message, I'd send them a text message once a month. Hey, here's the new stuff we uploaded. Here's what's going on with the business. If you're interested in buying a retail package, you can you know click down below. But that's like a quick, they can check it and go, oh, okay, yeah, Robert's doing stuff and go back to, to work. Less intrusive and less invasive. Hmm. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, I've been looking at text stuff for mine too. Just funny how we've gone back to text costing money when it's, do you know, like on the, when you send out a carrier signal, your phone, like the amount of data text is, is like barely a percentage. It doesn't cost them anything, but. For some reason, we've gotten back to where text costs money now. Maybe maybe we'll get to the point where there's some kind of blockchain technology or something and we could just bloop, you know, but the, the way phones are regulated, like they're trying to clamp down on this. That's just like watching, you know, Apple fight with software companies because Apple doesn't want their software on the iPhone. And does the iPhone have a headphone jack and, you know, all that stuff. The, the technology will continue to develop and grow. The students I, I talk with, get very frustrated because they just wish it was, you know, one Borg-like unitary entity. <laughs> we will it's assimilate only you. <laughs> when we have the Neuralink and everybody's connected. Did, did you see the video? I keep telling people and nobody's seen it. Did you see what the video you? with the, the, the monkey playing Pong yeah. in its mind? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, was like, I was like, everybody's like, I can't learn online. I'm like, that monkey can play Pong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, look at this chimp. He's playing. He's playing pong with his mind. You can look at some videos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, this was fun. So, what else is going on for you uh, in your business? I think we got like, depending on your time frame, we got like another solid eight minutes or so. Okay. All right. Cool. What else is going on in my business? I recently hired two people. Like I mentioned, there uh, two apprentices. Yep. Yeah. Yep, I've been training them up in my secret ticket. And this has been all coming. I'll be interested in hearing your thoughts on it. I, I was against hiring people for the longest time until I went away to Mexico for a month and no one, all my clients were texting me saying like, who should I go to? And I realized <laughs> I didn't have a ton of people that I would refer them to here. So no offense to anybody in Boise who's watching. 
but yeah, it, and I've definitely, it's been a huge learning experience for me. And I love that. I love that I can go into an experience and think like, oh, I know everything about massage. You know, I've been doing it for 11 years, you know, and I'm a massage business coach now and I've got this, but it's crazy. It's like starting two, it's like starting two new massage businesses and I've got my massage business to run and I'm trying to do all three of them. You know, yep. I've got not just one new therapist, but two new guys. And I decided to niche down. Actually, this is a new concept. I call it niching up. But basically, I decided to focus on us as the niche. So instead of like who we're providing to as the niche, I decided to focus on, because a lot of people have always told me here in Boise, Idaho, that they can't find great male therapists. And they especially can't find ones who are as versatile as my technique. I mean, not to brag or anything, but I've developed a unique blend of table tie, deep tissue, some sports massage, uh, some Swedish. It, it kind of varies depending on exactly what they're looking for, but I definitely integrate a lot of stretching. And I love your videos and stuff on that. I've learned from that. Those just, I love applying them to the table though. I work exclusively on the table. I would love to get more into mat-based things, but yeah, that might be a future endeavor. But it's been really cool, like coming into this experience where you have two people under you, two people that you're teaching kind of the, the basics. Because you, I mean, you probably know you can learn and learn something, but until you get to teach it, that's when you really learn. Yeah, how to, how to absolutely. Do it. I've been really enjoying working with these guys because it made me realize that all of my things are, I want to head in the same direction. So the coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching I do with massage therapists online, which people, if you want to apply for that, if you want to fill out the application and connect with me below, I offer a free 20-minute consultation. So you can hit that up on degear.biz. I don't remember if that's one of the links down there, but if it isn't, just degear.biz, my last name, .biz, and you can get a free 20-minute consultation. That's been really fun. The group coaching has been a lot of fun. So like, again, you said the scalability, reaching yeah. five people, reaching 5,000 people, you know, minimal difference in work on the teaching level. On the acquisition level, of course, it's a lot different, but teaching therapists in person has been fun as well. And I've even been doing, I've been recording little pieces of it and putting it for my Technique Tuesday videos on my free group. So doing some cool Tie, I did some tie work the other week. I did some neck stretches. I've just got some some really cool videos that are coming about. My friend calls it selling the sawdust. So I'm teaching these guys anyway, right? Training them yeah. for my business. All I'm doing is recording little bits of it and yeah. putting it on my free group for people to watch. And so far, it's been a pretty big hit. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Do you have any questions about that? I feel like I could talk for a while. Well, what I'm interested in, again, my business is weird because I went for, with a very strict digital model. I have two yeah. apprentices here locally that I work with that I'm training and working with and getting ready to, not only are they doing sessions that are mat-based, you know, what I teach, but they're also gearing up towards education and teaching. I can, I can see the business continuing to bubble out. And okay. I've avoided brick and mortar. So I'm kind of interested. Like I had somebody tell me one time, they're like, Robert, it seems like you have limited beliefs. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I think brick and mortar is inordinately limited. It doesn't mm -hmm. scale the way a business scales digitally on the internet. That's, that's the limiting belief. Yeah. It isn't that I don't understand brick and mortar. It's that they don't understand digital distribution. Yeah. I'm running a digital business in a brick and mortar industry. I'm not interested in running a brick and mortar. Yeah, but massage itself is a very brick and mortar industry. 
Mm-hmm. Makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. But then what yeah. I wonder is, oh, man, I hate to say this, guys, but the headache of organizing massage therapists. Hurting cats. Ooh-wee. <laughs> I, I need more coffee. <laughs> yeah. This is the way I described it to my guys. When I hired them, I told them this. I was like, look, guys, I'm not a babysitter. I don't want to be a babysitter. Uh, in fact, I'm testing this out for a year if I even want to have employees or they're not really employees, they're apprentices. And my point was that I was like, I want this to be like the Justice League. You know, I'll be in charge of it, but you're your own superhero. Like, I don't want it to be, you know, it's not a team of, I don't know, it's not a basketball team where we all have to work in together and we're all like on the court together working. It's no, it's like, I'm the coach and you're the wrestler, you're the MMA fighter. Like you're, I'm giving you tips from the sidelines, but you're going in and doing the work. Like you right now are Robin, I'm Batman in the Batman Robin situation, but eventually you're going to grow up to be your own superhero and you're going to go fight your own battles. Like I'm not going to be fighting your battles for you. And I like that analogy because I don't want to be their babysitter. I don't want to have to, you know, get them to come into work. I don't want to have to, you know, deal with all of the the headache that management is. I want people who are independent and I'm willing to pass on people until I find people who are have that character. Yeah. So that that's the optimal business for me. Well, again, I know there's a lot of people when the students who have it would ask me about, you know, like, why don't you open a place? And and I'm like, why do you mean open a place? And they're like, well, I want you to give me a job. And I'm like, okay, give me 60%. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, listen, I'm creating the opportunity for you go to to direct to your consumer and keep a hundred percent. And they're like, oh, but I'd have to build a business. And I go, yes, there is no way around this. You either work for somebody else or you work for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's cool. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of resources though now for for working for yourself. Like just like with the Success Club that's why I ended up creating is that is a community, which I think is hugely important for being a massage therapist. If you're not tapped into a community either local or online, you need to switch something up because that's where the real beauty comes in. There's so much knowledge being created. Like if you think that if you're a tiny bit of experience like that you know everything or you're going to be able to discover everything like you got to think again the beauty of humanity here's messing up the entire model Mm -hmm. for massage in the united states i come in and push over the table and put down a mat done and they're like but i don't understand and i'm like clothes on Mm -hmm. you can film and photo document everything Give me 10 years. Good. I like it. It always comes back to that. And I don't have to get everybody. Like, I don't even fight the table, for instance. Like, a lot of people think I'm very, like, anti-table. And I'm like, no, I'm against your cultural hegemony. (laughs) I'm against your culturally sanctioned box where nothing else is allowed. It's like there's plenty of room for mat-based work, aquatic therapies, aerial yoga-ish body work. <laughs> like there's plenty of room, but like they just like hamburger fry and a drink. Hamburger fry and a drink. And for years, McDonald's was at the helm. Now you got Whataburger, In-N-Out, Ruckers, Wendy's, like Freddy's Frozen mm-hmm. Custard, like brands. Yeah, yep. avocado burgers. Brands. 
And I try to have these conversations, but the thing is, the industry will continue to differentiate. I think it will continue to grow, expand, niche down. And when it comes to education stuff, one of the things I would commend you on is, sure, build the brick and mortar, have employees, but you at least have a digital component to your business. When mm-hmm. I see massage educators and the massage schools that don't have digital components to their businesses, I don't think that bodes well. Mm. Yeah. Not in, it's 2021. The dead end. It's 2021. <laughs> Somebody who was born in 2000 after I graduated high school, or before, yeah, after I graduated high school, is now 21 years old. Wow. Like, this stuff, there's monkeys playing Pong with its mind, guys. (laughs) (laughs) We got to catch up. Cool. What are we looking at on time? And diversification. Mm -hmm. Differentiation, like niching down, and then like diversification. I see a lot of businesses, they hook into one revenue stream. Let's say you were, you know, you have a brick and mortar, you're hiring therapists. They're making money through that revenue stream. And if I talk to them about, hey, have you considered retail? They're like, oh, no, no, it's way too complicated. It's way too, and I'm like, do you want to rely on one revenue stream? Because this is what happened. We had one revenue stream, COVID, everything collapsed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the, it's really important. And that's one of the things, actually, when we talked about pension retirement before, I think that that's what I help. That's what I try to help my therapist build towards is that eventual either passive or almost passive income coming in or something. Because, I mean, we don't have any retirement plans. We don't have, you know, we have to pay for our own health insurance and business insurance and professional insurance and licenses and things. like. And a lot of people treat it like, you know, easy money coming in. Oh, I could just work another hour and I get, you know, the same money. Like, it doesn't matter if I spent all my money, I can work next week and earn, you know, a couple grand. It's like, well, we can. Yeah. But what about when COVID happens? And they're like, co what? (laughs) You know, they're not understanding that these black swan events, these big, you know, there's bigger issues at play and you can't always count on what's happening now to continue forever. Like life evolves, evolution happens. Um, and having a plan for that to fail or having the multiple streams, at least yeah. that way you can fill up your bucket of water when the drought comes. Yeah. If something cuts off, it's like, oh, well, I'm still okay. And that's mm-hmm. that's been the whole thing. It's like I was a therapist and was seeing clients quite successfully, and then I got into education. And it was like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. That's like a Because now you had two revenue streams. And then it was like, when do you workbooks and DVDs? And I'm like, what? You don't learn time massage from a workbook and DVD? And I'm like, well, I mean, you already, well, you already are kind of teaching it. Okay. And then it was like, okay, now we have digital copies of the workbooks and DVDs. And then over time, it was like subscription and, and it just kept g- growing. But it was all manifestations of the same thing. Yeah. It was all the same heartfelt thing that I was trying to do. And you were trying to, what I call is taking away the customer's no. Mm. Like, oh, I don't learn online. Okay, do you like workbooks and DVDs? Like actual physical books? And they're like, yeah. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay, here's your link to the set. And they're like, well, I learned better via video. Oh, okay, would you like DVDs or do you want like digital downloads? 
Like, I just try to take away their no. Like, if any anytime I have Amazon Prime, if, if anytime I wanted to watch a movie, I had to order, it seems archaic now, I had to order a DVD in the mail. Ugh. Are you serious? <laughs> like, I want to watch it now. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, I mean, Netflix, like, people laugh. Like, I've seen that little meme where it's like, Netflix used to send DVDs in the mail, and they're like, okay, Grandma. <laughs> like, <laughs> this archaic, ancient thing, you know. Yeah, um, and it's funny how quickly we adapt to those things. Yeah, and it, it it's like, man, I remember, like, I used Facebook, and then Twitter didn't quite make sense, and then I came on board with Twitter, and then YouTube, and then Snapchat. Snapchat blew me away because of, like, face filters and augmented reality. And I was like, oh my, dude, what is, like, you got a little glimpse of the future, right? And then all of a sudden, TikTok blew up on my feed. And I was like, dude, what the hell? I was like, this is, like, it's never going to stop. Like, the technology gets smaller, more concise, more efficient, information distribution. And I'm banking on that, trying to use this as fast as I can. I guarantee after this podcast, me like how to make the how to make the video just a little bit more clear. I need a little more. Yeah. Got to make it look. I'm nice. surprised you haven't see, done. Uh... Got to see pores on my nose. <laughs> 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 got to be able to, you know, improve it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's gonna slow down. Like I think what I've seen in our industry with brick and mortar businesses, they're having a really painful time trying to adapt to any kind of online distribution, including just social media, just to let yeah. people know that there's a school there locally. Hmm. I'm surprised you don't have a green screen in the back. That's not, yet. Sort of not yet. It's coming. Crazy it's coming. I want like, I want like octopus tentacles, like undulating. <laughs> right. I've already thought about it. Like, Something in space, like some vortex <laughs> swirling around or whatever. Yeah, like we'll, we'll get there. I, I haven't Mars been a green screen yet. What was that? Yeah. As you get a Mars in the background. <laughs> a little satellite going past. Yeah, I mean, one of the ways that I deal with business is people can think of it as like extremely overwhelming. So like taxes, very overwhelming, right? But mm-hmm. like if you take a big thing that's got 100 steps and you just break it into like two-step chunks yep and you do two and every day you do two yeah very quickly in three months you've oh wow i got that done yeah no that's why i like using the analogy of the mountains for my coaching it's like you see the giant mountain you're like oh i can never climb that when will i ever get to the top it's like just take a step forward yeah now take another step now take another step now take another step pretty soon you're up on the first hill and you look back and you're like holy shit like I used to be down there. <laughs> or you get to the top of the mountain, you realize that that wasn't the top. There's a whole other peak that you want oh. to climb. So let me ask you about that. A whole, whole other peak. What, what do you think happens to your business in like 10 years? Where is it going? Uh, I think, well, looking back 10 years ago, I mean, I was one year into massage. I wasn't even thinking about doing my own business. And my life perspective was different. I think it's your life perspective and your priorities shift and you realize i mean i can see it i don't even know what the change is going to be for myself but 10 years from now with the coaching business is going to be a crazy change i mean even you asked me two years ago what i would be doing right now first of all i wouldn't have thought that i would have hired anybody second of all i didn't think i would be coaching quite so soon but 10 years is that's a lot 
I think that you'll see massive changes depending on technology. Um, I'll see a lot of changes as far as like what I'm doing. I want to be entirely mobile. Like I want to be living abroad, honestly, for most of my thirties. So I'll probably be living outside the U S next year. I'm thinking about going to a combination of Japan, Korea, Thailand, Vietnam, just for a whole year. I want to learn massage, Thai massage in Thailand. But as far as what I'm going to be doing in the rest of the world and the rest of the countries, that's, I don't know. It's a big adventure. I'll leave. I'll leave room for adventure. Yeah. So I like to call there was a conversation I had with some millennials that were working with me doing AV stuff. I was going to a class years ago and it had been like 48 hours since word got out that Tony Bourdain had killed himself. And we were in the car on the way to the class and the, the guys were like, well, what's the goal? And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, the long-term goal. I'm like, Tony Bourdain minus the suicide. I'm going to be able to travel to any country, eat their food, get their body work, and live stream and teach from yeah. anywhere on earth. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I'm going to have a travel log documentary on YouTube where I go to Korea, try to figure out how to speak Korean. <laughs> I'm filming myself you know, working on Koreans, having them work on me, running a time size jam from Korea and teaching a global audience. And they're like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. Things are going to become more global. You'll have to uh, subscribe to Starlink so you can get internet everywhere in the world. Oh yeah. I don't know how they're going to structure that. Do you know, are they just going to give it away for free? I haven't done a lot of research on it. Oh, it's like 99 bucks. They've already started. Yeah. 99 bucks like a month or total. 99 bucks a month. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You, I don't think you have to pay for the package right now if you get it. Anyway, yeah. we do have to wrap up. We All should right. talk more about travel, travel massage. <laughs> time. That would be really so fun. It's like we're on opposite sides of the screen, but basically you can, you can follow Eric, you know, above or below. You can see his social media stuff and also me. Any parting words? Just be good to each other and think about, <laughs> think about where you're headed in 10 years and where you want to be. Yeah. And consider that Robert and I can help guide you there. Cool. So, so Eric, give me just one second. I'm going to go ahead and close down the uh, recording and we'll chat just one second before I let you go. Okay. Are we and, still uh, recording? Yeah, for now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. You can find more on the podcast at Anchor FM, RG Wellness. Feel free to listen to us on YouTube or wherever. I typically take these and cut like little snippets that I'll put out on social media on Facebook and Instagram as well. But I really appreciate you as an audience, and I look forward to more podcasts in the future.